Welcome to the Stellar Labs podcast, Future Learning Today. At Stellar Labs, our mission is to bust the technology skills crunch with effective, measurable, engaging training. We consult on, design, and deliver the technical and people skills and competencies you need in business. In these podcasts, you'll hear from industry experts and practitioners from the worlds of technology and training. They'll share their experience, insights, and inspiration, and their visions for the future with you. Keep listening to start your future learning here today. Hello, and welcome back to the Stellar Labs podcast. I'm really delighted today to finally be having a conversation with Brent Kedzierski, who's Head of Learning Strategy and Innovation at Shell over in Houston, Texas. Welcome to the Stella Labs podcast, Brent. Well, thanks, Stella. You know, we've talked about before on other conversations how today's new world is really about super jobs, super connections, and what I call hots and bots. So the higher order thinking skills and the higher order behavioral skills. And so with that said, I believe a person's brand is about the experience that they leave with people feeling after each interaction. So, you know, what do I get from that experience of working and collaborating with you? And I just wanted to say that I get a lot from my relationship. I get knowledge. I get social connections. I get inspiration, motivation, and confidence. So I just want you and your audience to know how much I find it enjoyable and rewarding to collaborate with you. So thanks for giving me what I call this whole brain experience. Well, thank you very much, Brent. That's incredibly kind of you. And um, and I'm very honored and flattered that uh, that I've been able to help you in that way. So, so thank you. It's very much appreciated. So, Brent, I know you have been, um, you've been in the world of learning for a long time. Um, I'm not sure it's quite as long as me, but I know it's a good long time and you're very passionate about it. But I'm really interested, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh, good question. Um, for me, it's always been trying to see around corners. So how to predict that next inflection point, that next new idea. So, you know, how to see those non-obvious clues or weak signals that spark trends that, you know, other people may miss. So it's all about how do I try to influence the status quo and, you know, put that puzzle together. Fascinating. And and who are you needing to influence? Who are you trying to influence? Well, a lot of times it's always the stakeholders that have had a finger or a footprint in the prior decisions. So, you know, throughout history, these decisions are made with the best data and insights that people had at the time. So inherently, as things change, many of these decisions that are made at one time, they were considered good, but they can't stand the test of time. So what I really enjoy in this whole thing about corners is spotting something weird, going to those stakeholders that had a major, major influence in setting it up and trying to figure out how it started, why it started. So like if something seems odd today, it's probably due to some condition or constraint in the past. And so it was justifiably odd for a rational reason. So that's what I try to do with my stakeholders, because we're always trying to get them to change their hearts and minds. And they've always got a vested in, input in what they've done, or more importantly, the metal, mental model that they are already stuck in. I think that's really interesting, that idea that, you know, we make decisions and, and, you know, we're encouraged to make decisions. And we kind of have a belief that, you know, when we've made a decision, we should stick to our decisions. And that's really true for, you know, 
for as you say a length of time or while circumstances are similar but there's that real thing isn't there about you know when things change you really may need to change some some sometimes hugely important decisions or even mental models you know it's interesting that the boston consulting group put out some research and it basically said one in three companies successfully evolve in the face of disruption. So, you know, why is that? You know, so that means instead of evolving, they either go away, they get consumed, or they change to some degree. So, you know, this is kind of what we're seeing now in getting business and stakeholders to understand this um, virtualization of learning that we're seeing as a countermeasure to these constraints. So, again, this is this is, you know, and I hope that Shell and I think we will come out of these constraints much stronger, much more agile and resilient than we entered into them. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to see how companies are shifting and and some are really embracing it. And I've seen some um, some really interesting information out recently about, you know, how actually online learning, virtual learning, learning not face to face is actually in some ways uh, better and more valuable than, you know, our, our older methods of, you know, plonking people in the classroom and leaving them to sit there all day. I mean, definitely better than that. But, you know, some of the advantages that we have that we can be more agile and that we can space learning so much better with uh, with using digital. because you, you can't sit somebody on a digital, either a digital platform or on a digital conversation for an entire day. You've got to space the learning. So it's almost happening by default that what I hope would be better learning transfer may actually happen. Yeah, this has actually been a great experiment to some degree because, you know, I've taken off like three more than three, but three basic reflections out of all these events of 2020. And the first one is this, um, the impact of psychological safety on learning. So when people don't feel psychologically safe, it impacts their level of engagement in any learning. So if they're worried about the self-preservation of their jobs or family issues because they're working from home or other issues, they just don't focus and they're fearful. So this learning and growth doesn't, it takes a back seat. So one of the things that I've really started to look at in Shell is, do our folks really feel psychologically safe? And can we maximize that feeling so that it increases their uh, proficiency and effectiveness overall the learning? Yeah, I think the psychological safety is, is something that I think in some types of learning, people take it into account. But I think there's a whole pile of other learning that oh, it's just kind of it's just compliance training or it's just safety training or you know, it's something we've got to do. And they don't actually think about that actually is also learning and people still need to feel safe, even for that kind of almost very basic, it's not a basic level of learning, it's a, it's an important level of learning, but it's, you know, it's the stuff that we see as the daily bread and butter of learning. Right. Well, as you take the whole concept to its extreme and you think about the Navy SEALs and how they train, and they really have embraced neuroscience to train their new recruits, and, you know, especially in ways that like control fear and ensure like panic isn't an option in their training. So they teach through experience how to bring structure, to chaos. And this is really evident in their pool combat sea testing where, you know, they have to make learners cope with fear of underwater and they have their researchers look at the various parts of the brain to improve the training approaches. So, you know, they have all the techniques like some self-talk or mental rehearsal or visualization um, to figure out how they can improve the mental toughness of their programs uh, and not only making people feel safe 
during the program, but more importantly, making them feel safe and confident in the field. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I think there's been some fascinating research done on that, hasn't there? And, and how you have to kind of create that feeling of, of, of fear and then teach people how to deal with the fear so that when it really happens, they can still operate. And that's the whole bit that we are really working towards is, you know, let's really take a deeper dive into, into the psychological aspect of people when they enter learning programs. Yeah. And I, and I guess at Shell, that is, you know, because you are dealing very often with, um, you know, potential emergency situations. Uh, uh, you know, I know you're incredibly um, amazing at Shell at really thinking about, uh, well, it goes beyond health and safety, doesn't it? But you really think about um, keeping people safe. Right. I mean, we've got a really rigorous approach to how we look at safety. Because um, right now we're looking at, you know, most of the research is showing that almost most to all work is done within teams. So we're looking at how to find approaches to position people better to learn in, you know, more collaborative and cooperative settings. So, and the thing I'm really seeing it shall is we're really trying to move from traditional classroom settings so that our employees can more easily learn behaviors together rather than encourage them or throw a lot of content consumption at them on this individual basis. So I think with digitization and memorization, the, the fallacy of memorization and content consumption, it's going to become less and less important. And what we were driving for is exposure to transformational experiences. And that'll rule the day, I think, is especially as um, automation and, and change continue to accelerate. I've actually just been reading some really interesting books, two interesting books on, on curiosity. And they both talk about, um, you know, the importance of kind of experiential learning and learning through, you know, just being being curious. But one of the things I found actually deeply reassuring was how important it is to have um because because yeah I need to come from another point there one of my things is you know content isn't learning but one of the things from these books that are, has, has supported my thinking and, and helped me think it more clearly is how you actually do need in order to be curious in order to really learn from experience you actually do need a foundation a knowledge foundation of some sort to actually know where the the structure is so that then you can you can build on that knowledge structure um with the experience and the the things you pick up through through that kind of very um work focused learning right and that's one of the things we're trying to do at Shell is, you know, we're trying to re-examine this relationship between knowledge. So, you know, we categorize it as facts, concepts, principles, processes, theories, et cetera, and then figure out the what's the best way in terms of the human mind to, to, to curate and render that information and make it available and accessible and relevant to people based on whether it's an adaptive learning program or a personalized learning program. But then we take a look at it and how do you, how do you use that to incorporate skills and build that? So that's a big area that we're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. So, um, so what for you is, is the future of, of learning? The future of learning? Well, there's a couple of things and I've really gone through uh, a lot of work in the recent uh, months to look at how this whole um, set of conditions in, in 2020 um, is 
impacting things. And, and number one, I think that neuroscience is going to be key to understanding growth or what we call learner mindset. And that's going to be key to responding to these new super jobs. And these super jobs are these jobs that um, are much more matrixed, uh, involve much more automation and human-machine interface. And it requires people to become much better at collaboration and cooperation. It, it requires them to be, you know, those the better learners in terms of being more proactive. And they need to be more transformational learners because of the half-skilling that's out there. So there's so much technology, so much change, everything's so dynamic that we've got to be able to transform people's mental models faster. And I see a neuroscience playing a significant role in what the top organizations in the new economy are going to do. So that means, like I said earlier about promoting psychological safety, um, ensuring that managers provide time for reflection, and, and ensure that what we're doing like right now at Shell is constantly seeking out the latest research on how people learn. And these humans that are gonna be more um, interpretive and service orientated in this industry 4.0, that connected connectivity is gonna be uh, the cause of a higher level of problem solving and data interpretation and you know empathy, teamwork, all those things, because we're finding out that most work, again, two thirds or most all work's being done in teams. So that's really where I see one piece of it going is just that. And, and for me, you know, I love the quote that, you know, a thinking man or woman is that, um, you know, that's the attribute of them is that they're, they're critical thinkers and they're much more open enough and they're secure enough to change their minds. And that's one of the things that I'd like to build a resiliency in Shell is that people can be curious thinkers and they are open to change their minds in much faster cycles than they've been in the past. I love that idea because I think that that genuinely is learning, isn't it? And that can feel it can feel like hard learning when you've got to, you know, you've you've lived with a belief or an idea or a mental model for years, and then you have to switch it and think, right now that one's not working. I need to have another one. And I think, you know, in a sense, um, COVID has helped us with that, hasn't it? Because we've kind of been forced to adapt to new ways of working. Um, yeah, I think that I, that idea, that openness that you just talked about to change minds really and I, would, and I would ask you a question. So, I mean, we're moving into this new era where we place, you know, greater emphasis on how we engage the whole brain. That's what I opened up with sharing with you. That you've helped open up and engage my whole brain for transformational learning and growth. Because, you know, I love all the stuff you've helped teach me about neurochemistry of learning and brain plasticity and deep practice and, you know, generational changes in brain function. But, you know, what's your view on how we move forward through all this? I, I think it's really interesting. I think the more we know about how we work, how we operate, how we think, um, how we connect with other people, I think the more we're consciously aware of how that happens the better we can then um 
adapt it, tweak it, learn from it. You know, it's like it's like when you're it's the old analogy of driving a car. The first time you drive a car, you know, everything feels really clunky and it's really hard. And then you get to being, you know, really quite a natural driver. And then something happens and you you start to pay attention again to something. You think, well, I could really improve my, I don't know, whether it's stopping at traffic lights or uh, I went on a, a skidding or an, an anti-skidding car course, really. But, you know, that really helped me think about, well, how do I drive normally and how do I change my habits? And I think it's the same with how we learn and, and how we can support people in learning to 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 work in teams, to collaborate, the more they understand about what's going on in their minds and what's going on in other people's minds, the more you can then bring that to consciousness in order to work with it. And then when you've kind of practiced it, then you put it back into unconsciousness again. It becomes unconscious, you know, a new unconscious habit. But I, for me, that's that's unpicking the the skills that we have naturally in order to then improve them is is for me a, a way that I think we can we can really harness neuroscience and psychology of learning to take that forward. Hmm. Well, it's interesting. And to that point, I'm I lo- I'm a historian. I love history. So I was researching, and I came across this guy, Alfred Edward Perlman. He was born in 1902, and he was president of the uh, Penn Central, then New York Central Railroad. And he was probably one of the most prominent railroad people of the of the 20th or yeah 20th century and he basically had a quote and he said learning is what adults will be doing for a living in the 21st century and the guy probably said that in like 1928 wow so i mean it's interesting to have that kind of insight because honestly right now we've got these things called learning lifelong learning learning for employability learning mindset and i think that is right i think we try to figure out how do we learn every day especially with this content shock that goes on around us That's, that, that was a very prescient um insight of his so what i would say is in short what i see the future of learning and the new systems and the new shifts that we'll see are going to help us shift from presenting information to people or trying to find it and collect it and arrange it to exposing people to experiences that have the ability to transform them. And I think there's a couple of areas within that that I can share with you. So I think that might be a conversation for another day. I can see us having lots more conversations. The the question I want to kind of finish with is, um, because I know you're very keen on this, is is to sort of say all this, you know, this great learning you're doing and you're really looking at your learning culture and you're really looking at, at the way forward. How do you think this is going to impact on the business strategy? Yeah, good, good question. So, you know, we in Shell, we have our energy transition strategy of the things that we're trying to do to, to, to enter and excel through energy transition. Uh, that's underpinned and supported by our, our people strategy in Shell. And then the learning uh, strategy is hardwired into that. And when I look at the strategy, there's three things that I think are going to add value, impact, and, and help us with cost preservation and improvement. And the first one is giving our employees a great human experience. So if you think about the evolution of like an end user, that concept really indicates, well, I'm going to a, a, a learning management system and I'm going to go get a course. That's generation one. 
then you want to get the person to be an employee. So, well, I work at Shell and my systems are connected and I have more of a universal experience, a ubiquitous experience. But what we're trying to get to is we want people to have a human experience so that that gets that lifelong learning, that connects that person to work balance and life and, and an appreciation that a person's a whole whole being with you know family and children and all those things so and we believe that the human experience will drive engagement and we believe that that workforce performance because they're more engaged will drive productivity and the second thing and i got two three things really the second thing is now once we've given them that experience platform we're going to move to a platform economy with this stuff so everything's kind of intertwined cyber physically connected we want them to have a whole person um engagement so that's that impact and if we think that they're impacted whole brain whole person that's going to drive the effectiveness of all of our learning investments uh, for the business it's going to drive the learning transfer that the business needs to happen better faster in the flow of work and it's going to improve the retention and um, and the upskilling and reskilling of people so that whole person with that whole flow of work is going to be a, a stronger uh, more strategic arrangement and the last thing is because so much work gets done in teams and because an organization really is measured on how much information it actually knows that it knows and sharing that information, we think that collaboration and cooperation and transformation is going to be a major, major piece. So we teach people to work that way and learn that way, that's going to really strengthen Shell's capabilities overall for the business. So I'm from our conversation, I'm, I'm really getting that you're keen on teams, which is, <laughs> and team working and people collaborating and and that whole feel for people. Yeah. I mean, well, if you think about it, as automation increases, right, um, that means that all these things, these intellectual skills, the empathetic skills, these emotional, the uh, emotional, uh, interpersonal intelligence, all those things are going to become much, much more important because people aren't going to be walking around or, or in their areas gathering data, collating data. They're going to have that stuff done for them. So they're going to have to do higher order skills. And because organizations, especially like Shell, are moving from hierarchies and silos to more interactive um, matrices that are more interoperable, right, and more connected, that means that well engineers and other disciplines are going to have to be much more collaborative because that's where the real differentiation comes in for Shell, that if we're able to get our, our key thought leaders in each discipline to work and know and collaborate and cooperate better rather than being in silos, that's the exponential power of the, of the cognitive war that we have in, 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 the, in, in the environment of making sure we do things right in the best way we can. So I guess that's that real kind of thing of, you know, you need you need the technical expertise clearly in, in a field like you're in, you need that technical expertise, but those people who are going to thrive and, and, and support the business are going to be the ones who have the technical expertise, but can also connect, collaborate and work with other people. Right. I mean, that's that's the thing that we're trying to do. So our case for change, you know, it's it's this whole traditional learning method that's out there. In my opinion, they're not keeping up with industry 4.0. So we still 
deliver training and we still treat humans like we're an industry 3.0, but I want that interconnectivity. So that's the real case for change. Fascinating. Brent, as always, it's been really great talking to you. I think that's a really nice place to, to leave. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I look forward to talking to you again. It's always a pleasure, Stella. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please share it with your friends and colleagues and visit our website, stellalabs.eu, to learn more about what we do and how we do it. Tune into the next episode.